Hey, it's your buddy AJ from the Wife Files. And Hecklefish. Right, and Hecklefish. We just wanted to tell you that if you want to start a podcast, Spotify makes it easy. It'd have to be easy for humans to understand it. Will you stop that? I'm just saying. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts from your computer. I don't have a computer. Do you have a phone? Of course I have a phone. I'm not a savage. Well, with Spotify, you can record podcasts from your phone, too. Spotify makes it easy to distribute your podcast to every platform, and you can even earn money. I do need money. What do you need money for? You're kidding? I'm getting killed on Guppy support payments. These three ex-wives are expensive. But you don't want to support your kids? What are you, my wife's lawyer now? Never mind. And I don't know if you noticed, but all Wi-Fi's episodes are video, too. And there's a ton of other features, but... But we can't be here all day. Will you settle down? I need you to hurry up with this stupid commercial. I got a packed calendar today. I'm sorry about him. (laughs) Anyway, check out Spotify for Podcasters. It's free, no catch, and you can start today. Are we done? We're done, but you need to check your attitude. Excuse me, but I don't have all day to sit here and talk about Spotify. Look, this would go a lot faster if if you would just let me get through it without... For thousands of years, the world has been captivated by the mystery of Atlantis. The concept of an ancient city hidden beneath the ocean is intriguing. But what if there was not just a city, but an entire continent buried beneath the waves? The continent of Lemuria is a huge landmass believed to have sunk in the Indian Ocean after some ancient catastrophic event. Atlantis and Lemuria are similar in that they've sparked numerous theories, legends, and interpretations. But Atlantis and Lemuria are very different in one way. There's no proof of Atlantis. In 1858, zoologist Philip Sclater made a name for himself in the scientific community. He divided the world into six geographic regions based on the distribution of animal species. They were Palearctic, Ethiopian, Indian, Australasian, Neoarctic, and Neotropical. Sclater's system is still used today. While Slater created his classification system, a mystery emerged, the fossils of lemurs. Lemur fossils were found in parts of South America, India, Africa, and Madagascar. These areas are not connected by land, but lemurs don't swim. The question haunted Slater. How did lemurs spread across the world? Identical species don't develop in different places at once. He had a radical answer, that there was a landmass once connecting these areas. It would need to be massive, bigger than Australia. His theory was a stretch, but it would solve the mysteries he'd stumbled upon. Along with the unexplainable locations of lemurs, Slater also uncovered extreme similarities between monkeys found in South America and Africa. In 1864, Slater published an essay about his theory in a scientific journal. In the essay, he refers to his proposed continent as Lemuria. Anterior to the existence of Africa in its present shape, A large continent occupied parts of the Atlantic and Indian Oceans, stretching out towards what is now America to the west and to India on the east. In Madagascar and the Mascarene Islands, we have existing relics of this great continent, for which has the original focus of the Stirps Lemurum, I should propose the name Lemuria. This land bridge concept was popular in the scientific community at the time. Sir Charles Lyell, a well-known geologist and teacher, believed continents were rising above and sinking below the ocean routinely, just very gradually. So it's no surprise that following the publication of Philip Sclater's essay, the Lemuria theory really caught on. It turned out Lemuria may have been the answer to many scientific mysteries. In fact, Lemuria may have been the birthplace of humanity itself.
1864, Philip Sclater introduced the concept of Lemuria to the world. 24 years later, Helena Blavatsky, a Russian theosophist and co-founder of the Theosophical Society, published a book titled The Secret Doctrine. Theosophists like Blavatsky are truth seekers who study a combination of religion, science, and philosophy. They believe in an ancient wisdom that unites all major religions. The Secret Doctrine discusses the origins of humanity. It outlines a sequence of seven root races representing different stages of human development. Currently, we are in the fifth stage, with the sixth and seventh yet to come. According to the Secret Doctrine and other writings by Blavatsky's followers, the first root race was ethereal and didn't possess physical bodies. They may have appeared as giant phantoms. The second root race was shapeless and asexual. Asexual? Well, they didn't engage in sexual activity. Eh, sounds like they were married. They reproduced through a process called budding, which is essentially natural cloning. The third root race thrived in Lemuria and coexisted with dinosaurs. According to theosophist W. Scott Elliott, these Lemurians were giants. His stature was gigantic, somewhere between 12 and 15 feet. His skin was of a yellowish-brown color. He had a strangely flattened face, eyes small but piercing, and set curiously far apart so that he could see sideways as well as in front. The head sloped backwards and upwards in a rather curious way. The arms and legs, especially the former, were longer in proportion than ours. Early in the Lemurian period, these supposed human ancestors laid eggs. But over millions of years, their reproductive process developed into, well, the one that we know today. And that process has gotten me in a lot of trouble over the years. Well, maybe you shouldn't have engaged in the process as much as you did. Yeah, what can I tell you? The ladies love me. But Blavatsky and her followers weren't the only people who wrote about the Lemurians. A few years later, British writer James Churchward started writing about the sunken continent of Mew. At first, Mew was thought to be the inspiration for Plato's story of Atlantis, but Churchward connected it to Lemuria, and now many consider these lost continents one and the same. James Churchward's work is based on the translations of ancient Indian tablets. These texts are included in a series of books called The Children of Mew. The tablets describe an ancient civilization of 60 million people that was eventually destroyed. According to Churchward and others like archaeologist Augustus Le Plongeon, the sunken continent of Mew once stretched from Hawaii in the north to Easter Island in the east and almost reached Japan in the west. The Yanaguni Monument, off the coast of Japan, is believed to be the underwater ruins of this lost civilization. Nan Madal in Micronesia is considered the southern part of Mew. The site contains structures made of large volcanic rock logs. It's unknown who built them or how, but the society was advanced. Recent LIDAR imaging revealed an artificial irrigation system that provided fresh water to residents throughout the area. They even had a sewer system years before the ancient Greeks or other advanced civilizations. Easter Island marks the eastern point of Mew. Take a look at Easter Island. It's a small island in the middle of nowhere yet it was once home to 12,000 people. How did they get there? Mainstream science says they traveled thousands of miles across the Pacific Ocean in canoes. But if the continent of Mew existed, they could have just walked there. This could also explain the similarities between Polynesian languages and Greek, as well as the worship of a sun god named Ra'a on Easter Island, which is similar to the Egyptian sun god Ra. These similarities of language and religion suggest that these cultures either intermingled or originated from a common source. 
James Churchward, Le Plongeon, Helena Blavatsky, they all describe Lemuria and Mew differently. But there's one thing they all agree on. It was destroyed in a terrible cataclysm. Chan Thomas, in his book, The Adam and Eve Story, presents compelling evidence that global disasters occur in a cycle. Lemuria might have been destroyed during one of these events. According to James Bramwell and William Scott Elliott, supporters of this theory, Lemuria was destroyed 11,500 years ago in a global disaster. And evidence of a global cataclysm can be found all over the earth, from the pyramids of Giza, across Africa, and even on Easter Island. Now, of course, I'm referring to the Great Flood mentioned in the myths of every culture on earth. The flood that occurred during a period of history called the Younger Dryas. As the last ice age drew to a close, the massive ice sheets that had covered much of the northern hemisphere began to rapidly melt away. Great torrents of fresh water poured into the oceans, causing sea levels to rise dramatically across the globe. Hey, maybe instead of the Younger Dryas, it should be called the Younger Wettass. <laughs> what? Coastal areas were transformed by the flood as shorelines expanded inland by hundreds of miles. Entire land masses were submerged beneath the rising seas. The lives of every human on Earth were disrupted by the Great Flood. Entire cultures that had been tied to the old shorelines were shattered and scattered. But a few resourceful people survived and rebuilt their civilization. But this time they did it in secret and hidden far away from any future global catastrophe. But what caused the ice sheets to melt in the first place? There's disagreement about this. Some think it was the impact of a massive comet or asteroid. Others think it was a solar event so destructive that plasma from the sun stripped away the Earth's magnetic field, exposing the planet to extreme heat and radiation, or a pole shift, which would also create a worldwide disaster. But there is one legend of Lemuria that contains a different explanation, that the Great Flood wasn't caused by an asteroid or the sun. It's said that the Great Flood was caused by people. According to Blavatsky, Lemuria was destroyed by fire. Volcanic eruptions shattered the continent into islands. Slowly, the islands sank into the sea, along with Lemurian history. James Churchward's version of the sinking of Mew is more dramatic and immediate. The civilization was obliterated in a single night of terror. Intense earthquakes shook the land. Volcanic eruptions spewed fire and ash. Relentless tsunamis engulfed the entire continent. It was a catastrophic event. In one night, everything was gone. There are even speculations that the Lemurians were eradicated by a pole shift, a sudden and civilization-ending event. Churchward's depiction resembles this cataclysmic shift, volcanoes erupting around the world simultaneously, massive waves flooding everything, an entire civilization wiped away in an afternoon. Others propose something even more chilling, the destruction of Lemuria was not natural at all. They believe it was intentional. There is a 10,000-year-old story, which appears in books like the Chronicles of Akakor, which says the lost continents of Lemuria and Atlantis sank due to a nuclear war caused by the Anunnaki. Ah. The Anunnaki are deities of the ancient Sumerians, Akkadians, Assyrians, and Babylonians. And? And some consider the Anunnaki an alien race who created humans through DNA manipulation then used humans as slaves. Facts. A full Anunnaki episode is coming up. Oh, how you tease. The Chronicles of Akakor tells the story of two hostile divine races that eventually went to war. The four corners of the earth were red, 
the two races of gods started to dispute. In J.J. Benitez's book, The Visitors, he recounts the alien abduction of a scientist, Daniel W. Fry, on July 4, 1959. While Fry was on the alien vessel, they told him that they were the descendants of a race who lived on the land of Mew. They said there was another advanced civilization on Earth that we call the Atlanteans. Edgar Cayce also received telepathic messages about Atlantis. He described their culture and their technology. In our great city, we harnessed the Firestone's energy through advanced mechanics. Our domed power station concentrated the stone's rays via prisms. This energy propelled our crafts through induction, similar to your remote radio control. Though invisible, the rays powered vehicles through the air on land and sea. Carefully aligned, the stone's forces regenerated human bodies and fueled industries. Casey also predicted that Atlantis would eventually be discovered. The position as the continent Atlantis occupied is that as between the Gulf of Mexico on the one hand and the Mediterranean upon the other. Evidences of this lost civilization are to be found in the Pyrenees and Morocco on the one hand, British Honduras, Yucatan and America upon the other, the British West Indies or the Bahamas, and a portion of same that may be seen in the present. If the geological survey would be made in some of these, especially, or notably, in Bimini and in the Gulf Stream through this vicinity. These may be even yet determined. Now keep in mind that it was 1939 when Edgar Cayce predicted that Atlanta would be discovered in Bimini in the Bahamas. The Bimini Road wasn't discovered until 1968. According to Cayce and others, Atlanteans lived peacefully on Earth for over 200,000 years. But then the Anunnaki started to influence and corrupt the leaders of Atlantis. The corrupted Atlanteans, known as the Sons of Belial, initiated a conflict with Lemuria. About 25,000 years ago, Atlantis and Lemuria disagreed on how to rule the Earth. Atlantis wanted to dominate all tribes and civilizations worldwide. But the Lemurians wanted the Earth's civilizations to develop on their own, so they ordered Atlantis to leave them alone. Atlantis refused. Lemuria insisted. Atlantis chose war. The beginning of the war was the year 10,468 BC. In his writing, Plato mentions 9,500 BC as the year that Atlantis was destroyed. An ancient historian named Hemus reports a terrible catastrophe that occurred in 11,000 BC. But how were these civilizations destroyed? Well, the Atlanteans had extremely advanced technology and weapons. Their technologies and weapons were beyond what we know today. Flying crafts powered by fire crystals traversed the skies. Great energy beams harvested from the Earth itself fueled weapons that could level mountains. Lemuria was not as well armed and could not avoid war. They burned the world with solar heat and tried to draw energy from each other. Rivers have been changed, and the height of the mountains and the strength of the sun have changed. There have been continents that have been flooded. In the end, more than 60 million Lemurians died. The survivors took refuge in Agartha and later attacked Atlantis. The Earth became unstable as a result of nuclear explosions, and because of that, the Earth's axis changed and the poles shifted. All that remained of Atlantis are ancient structures like Stonehenge and the Great Pyramids. The civilization of Atlantis did not survive the conflict, but about 10,000 Lemurians did survive, and they rebuilt their civilization. But this time they did it in secret. And that civilization exists today, thriving under a mountain in California.
Mount Shasta in Northern California has become synonymous with the unknown. Many who venture close to the mountain report strange events, glowing orbs, unexplained voices, and a tangible sense of another presence. Mount Shasta is also considered a vortex, a place where the boundary between dimensions is thin. Native American tribes speak of its sacred power, a spot where the spirit world is accessible. Then there are the geological mysteries. Why does Shasta have such a complex structure and so many different kinds of rock? Why do some plants grow there that are found nowhere else? Where do those plants come from? Well, legend has it that some Lemurians survived the cataclysm. The survivors traveled to North America and brought with them plants and animals and technology. They then built a city underneath Mount Shasta. They called this city Telos, the city of light. And eyewitnesses have described the city in detail. As you approach the hidden entrance to Telos, an energy pulsates through the ground. There is a deep humming sound and a vibration that you can feel all over your body. Once inside, you are enveloped by a soft light that emanates from the walls of the city. Telos is carved into five expansive levels, each one a labyrinth of corridors, chambers, and gardens. The inhabitants of Telos are seven feet tall and draped in flowing white robes. Despite their large size, they move slowly and gracefully. They are the Lemurians, the guardians of their ancient, lost civilization. Their technology is integrated with their natural surroundings, just as it did in Lemuria before the fall. In Telos, they use crystal technology. Large crystalline structures serve various functions. They have healing chambers that resonate with frequencies that restore the body and the soul. They have crystal communication devices that allow mental connection across the entire planet. Transportation within the city is achieved through levitating platforms that glide along magnetic lines, guided by thought alone. At the center of Telos is the Temple of the Heart. Here, a large crystal pulses with a heartbeat, a rhythm synchronized with the natural resonance of the Earth. Residents of Mount Shasta claim to have seen tall beings wearing white robes walking at the foot of the mountain. Hikers have even followed the beings into caves. But when the hikers finally get inside the cave, it's empty. Though some say you can still hear and feel the humming vibration. One eyewitness actually made the news in the early 20th century. In 1904, J.C. Brown, a British prospector, was hired by a mining company to search for gold deposits in Northern California. While investigating around Mount Shasta, he noticed an odd-looking piece of rock that didn't match the surrounding area. As he began clearing the debris and vegetation surrounding the rock, he found an entrance to a cavern system that led deep into Mount Shasta. Brown walked about three miles into the interior of the mountain through an array of crisscrossing tunnel systems when he began stumbling across pieces of gold. After the 11th mile, he reached a location that resembled a village. Inside the village, he came across chambers filled with gold and copper tablets. He found statues and spears and weapons, and he found skeletons. The average heights of these skeletons were around six foot six inches tall, and the tallest being 10 feet in height. Over the next few days, he took pages and pages of notes. He memorized everything that he could. And when he left, he covered the entrance so that no one else would find it. And Brown spent the next 30 years researching and tried to build a group of experts to embark on an expedition. He finally gained a following of about 80 people willing to join the expedition, including a museum curator and several scientists. He spent six weeks planning out the entire trip and several individuals sold off their properties, believing that they would soon become rich. Brown was worried someone would sneak into the city in advance 
so he withheld a lot of the specifics regarding the location of the cavern system. He met with the team one last time to make final preparations and establish the time and place of departure, June 19th at 1 p.m. The day finally arrived and J.C. Brown didn't show. And he was never heard from again. But the story of Lemuria is not only told in the West. The Tamil people indigenous to South India have a story of a lost continent that dates back to ancient times. The name Kumari Kandam was applied to this sunken land. The legend tells of an early Tamil dynasty known as the Pandian kings. They ruled over the now submerged Kumari Kandam continent before it was swallowed by the rising seas at the end of the last ice age. Younger Wittis. Dryas. Whatever. According to the stories, Kumari Kandam was once located in the Indian Ocean between India and Madagascar. This large continent was the cradle of civilization, home to the first people. The Pandian kings ruled the entire continent from their capital city before successive floods submerged Kumari Kandam around 10,000 years ago. Is this just a Tamil legend or is this actual history? Well, floods at the end of the last ice age, we have proof of that. But a lost continent in the Indian Ocean between Madagascar and India? That's so specific. There's no way there's proof of that, is there? Is there? Is there? There is. Imagine an ancient tropical land. Lush jungles stretch as far as the eye can see. Dinosaurs graze on treetops high above the forest floor, while early mammals stalk the dark ground below. This was Mauritia, a lost world forgotten beneath the waves. In 2013, scientists announced that they may have found traces of this vanished continent deep under the Indian Ocean. It had sunk below the sea millions of years ago when the continents were still joined as one supercontinent. Back then, South America and Africa hadn't split apart. India was attached to Madagascar and Mauritia was squeezed in between. Mauritia was discovered by accident. Geologists studying rocks on the island of Mauritius, east of Madagascar, were confused. They found minerals too ancient to belong to such a young volcanic island. As they followed the clues, they found traces of a much older landmass. A huge mass of buried continental crust stretched across the Indian Ocean, a lost continent matching ancient minerals. The researchers named it Mauritia after the island that led to its discovery. But the location of Mauritia is exactly where some legends say Lemuria was. The details of the continent are still a mystery with more questions than answers. Was it really an intact continent or just a jumbled mass of islands? And what creatures might have lived on this island? And could some of those creatures have been the very early ancestors of the Lemurians? There is no hard evidence to support the existence of Lemuria or Atlantis. Everything we know about these civilizations comes from stories. And many of those stories come from unreliable sources like Madame Blavatsky, James Churchward, and Edgar Cayce. Daniel Fry, who claimed to have been abducted by aliens, probably wasn't. He failed a polygraph, he kept changing his story, and he lied about his scientific credentials. He also got caught hoaxing UFO photographs. So without evidence, places like Lemuria, the land of Mew, and Atlantis remain nothing but myths. But the accidental discovery of Mauritia shows that some ancient legends may be based in truth. The discovery of the continent of Mauritia happened completely by accident. Bimini Road was discovered by accident. So was the Yanaguni Monument. The city of Dwarka is described in ancient Indian texts as a magnificent city that was a symbol of prosperity. 
It was described as an advanced, well-planned city with beautiful gardens and temples and palaces. But according to Hindu legend, thousands of years ago, the seas began to rise, and eventually Dwarka disappeared into the ocean and was lost forever. And for a thousand years, the story of the city of Dwarka was thought to be symbolic. But in the 1980s, the ancient city was found and is estimated to be around 10,000 years old, maybe older. In 2001, an underwater discovery was made off the coast of Cuba. Structures were found that at first were thought to be natural formations, but a submersible robot was sent to the site and found what's been described as an entire city. And what makes this find so extraordinary is that it's about 2,000 feet down. Scientists have said it could take 50,000 years for a city to sink that far. Now, even if it's not that old, there are blocks down there that are thought to be at least 6,000 years old, but nobody can say for sure. All of these discoveries were made by accident. And as long as people keep exploring the sea, there's a chance that Atlantis and Lemuria might eventually be found. And if we actually excavate the sites off India and Japan in the east, and Cuba and the Bahamas in the west, we may realize that Atlantis and Lemuria have already been found. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. My name is AJ. That's Hacklefish. Hey, what's buzzing, sexy cousin? This has been The Wi Files. If you had fun or learned anything, do Hacklefish a favor like, comment, subscribe, share. I know it's annoying to hear us ask that, but it really does help the channel. And like the topics we cover in The Wi Files, today's was recommended by you. So if there's a story you'd like to see or learn more about, go to thewifiles.com slash tips. And if you need more Wi Files in your life, because who doesn't, check out the Wi Files Discord. There are thousands of people on there 24-7, and they're all just a little bit strange, like we are. A special thanks to our patrons who make all this possible. I dedicate every episode to you, and I could not do this without your generosity. And if you'd like to support the channel, consider becoming a member on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can keep the Wi-Files going. And you also get access to some cool perks, like early access to videos with no commercials, early access to fun products like the Talking Hecklefish plushie, and other stuff. Or if you'd rather get stuff, check out the Wi Files store. Uh, grab yourself a Hecklefish t shirt, or one of these Hecklefish Fistable Coffee Mug, Fish Coffee Mugs, or Hecklefish Talking Plushie, Talking Doll, Fish Toy Doll Plush Toy. That's gonna do it. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and know that you are appreciated. With MK Ultra, I'll be an only true unaware. Did Stanley Kubrick fake the moon landing alone on a film set? Or were the shadow people there? The Roswell aliens just fought the smiling man, I'm told. And his name was Cold. And I can't believe Man sightings and the solar storm still come to a god.
secret city underground. Mysterious number stations, planets circle to Project Stargate and what the Dark Watchers found. In a simulation, don't you worry though, the Black Knight satellite is Wednesday, Thursday, nights, Wednesday, Tuesday, and the weather. 